Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. How's it going, everyone? It's good to be back with you. It's been an exciting week for BYU basketball, and it continues tonight with a tough conference matchup with the San Francisco Dons. I'll be chatting with San Francisco Assistant Athletics Director of Communications and Content, Chris Fortney, about the Dons' dominance on the court this year and how the fans are reacting to it. But first, for some former BYU players in the pros, their NFL season has come to an end while others are still striving for a shot at the Super Bowl. And we're going to talk about which players have been the most fun to watch transition from college to the pros. And with me to have that discussion is one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet, Spencer Linton. What's up, my friend? Hello, Lauren. And I don't know if I deserve that type of introduction, but I'm always here to take it with so much joy and gratitude in and my humility. heart. humility. <laughs> so much humility. Keep going. Please tell me how wonderful I am. What else have people said about me? <laughs> no, you are. You're the greatest. Well, Spence, okay, so during last year's football season, who knew that we'd be watching Zach Wilson and Taysom Hill be NFL starting quarterbacks? So cool. And not to mention Jamal Williams, starting running back for the Lions. Fred Warner, one of the top linebackers in the NFL with the 49ers. You have Brady Christensen, Kyrus Tonga, Dax Millen seeing the field. Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays have been really fun for BYU fans. Oh, yeah, Danny Sorensen. Can't forget him. Oh, yeah, that guy, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, Spencer, of these guys I mentioned, or any from the past, who has been your favorite to watch make the jump from college to the pros? See, this is such a difficult question for me to ask because I'm in a very unique position where I have seen a lot of these guys start their BYU careers, work mm -hmm. their way all the way through whether it was Bronco Mendenhall as the head coach or Kalani Satake or a little of both, and then get into the NFL and be there for a number of years. This tells you how long I've been around BYU athletics, which is crazy, and now be excelling in their own right in the National Football League. This is a tough question to answer, and so I'm going to kind of compartmentalize it uh, in a few ways, and I'll, and I'll start with one Taysom Hill. Because of what he went through at BYU, he was such an amazing explosive, shifty, sudden, fun player to watch. But ultimately, we all remember him because he had four separate season-ending mm -hmm. injuries at BYU, and that storyline took over. It's hard for it not to. So to watch him transition into the NFL as an undrafted free agent, everybody had him pinned as, oh, he's an, you know, a crazy athlete, but he just can't get out of his own way. His body can't stay healthy. The Packers took a chance on him and said, hey, come and work out with us. We'll, we'll sign you to an undrafted free agent deal. you got 4-4 speed. Uh, we've seen what you're capable of. Let's just, let's just see what happens. And he was awesome in the preseason for the Green Bay Packers to the point where they were surprised that he was so good. And it was kind of a split decision on that staff of, oh, man, like I, we thought mm -hmm. he would be pretty explosive, but now we feel like we might have to keep him. And they said to him as much. Uh, at least a few of the coaches like, hey, I, I think we're going to keep you. And then they didn't. So to watch the New Orleans Saints kind of swoop in and say, Taysom, we want you with our team, but not just to be on the practice squad. We're going to add you to the 53-man roster and make you a day one <laughs> player. They were that impressed with him. Sean Payton, the head coach in New Orleans, was so impressed with what Taysom did in the preseason games and throughout the preseason with Green Bay that he was willing to take a major chance on him and then has turned him into this unique 
unlike any other gadget player in the NFL. And, by the way, he started nine games as a quarterback, Lauren, and he's 7-2 and two as a starter in those games. Let's not forget that his NFL career hasn't been at least partially marred by some injuries as well. He's played through dislocated fingers and concussions, and he's dealing with two foot injuries right now, but he's still in nine games as the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, has gone 7-2. and two. It's unorthodox how he does it, it's but amazing. he still wins games. So that has been really gratifying to watch Taysom Hill after everything that he went through and all of the heartache of all of those individual injuries make it in the NFL, sign a huge contract, which he has earned. That has been extremely gratifying for me. So that's kind of the feel-good story, if you will, for me. Uh-huh. The feel-good favorite. Now, the other one that I have really enjoyed, and I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here because I feel like he's been a little bit forgotten, but just to watch the joy he brings to the game and those around him is Jamal Williams. Jamal's (laughs) never been the feature back in Green Bay or now in Detroit, and has had opportunities as the starter at times, but he's never been like the day one designated you're the prime horse in the backfield for our team guy. Like he, right. He's always been playing in the shadow of somebody, whether it was Aaron Jones in Green Bay and now DeAndre Swift in Detroit. But Jamal Williams, I love watching how much joy and passion he brings to the game. Who, who doesn't like that guy? Seriously, is there anybody in the NFL that doesn't like Jamal Williams? He's media gold. He is true to himself. He is a soundbite a second. I love that guy, and it's been so fun to watch him transition. And just, like, we we loved him. We knew how special he was because we covered him in the media. I mean, you've interviewed him before. Uh-huh. We knew that. I'm just glad that everybody else in the NFL now knows what he is and who he is. And also, he reps the Y so loud and proud. He's always got BYU <laughs> gear on. He's always thinking about his BYU guys, and he's not afraid to show that. And he's unique because he's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he went through some trials and some hardships and had to drop classes one year to get some things right and straight in his life. And then came back and still finished out at BYU when he didn't have to. So just so much appreciation and respect for what he did as not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And yet he still loves and represents BYU and that joy continues on. So those are my two. And wouldn't you know it, they played together and they brought us a lot of happiness. <laughs> they did bring us a lot of happiness. For Media Day, I had the two of them for an interview and oh. it was so much fun. Yes. Because Jamal came in Jamal came in as a 17-year-old and Taysom Hill was like 26 or seven right when he left and so jamal kept calling him grandpa and they just had such a fun relationship so i i love that i love that jamal williams is purely himself no matter where he is at yes my husband my husband made fun of me because that clip on twitter the other day of him slapping hands with all the green bay packers uh players as they ran out and just dancing and saying hi i kept scrolling and it, it just kept coming up over and over again and every time i would watch it and it's who like, he is he's like didn't you already watch that like 10 times i'm like yes leave me alone i love jamal Williams. yes i love this guy he just he does he just exudes happiness and so happy for him happy for Taysom hill what's hard for me about Taysom hill is qbs are, are more in the spotlight so they're more scrutinized and obviously some people have problems with how much money he's making with the Saints and all that. But his story is just absolutely incredible. The, the fact that he even got a chance because he's a freak athlete 
with all those his health problems and his injuries is incredible. Yes. But I but I have to say, Spence, Fred Warner oh, man. is kind of the indisputable winner in my eyes because he's one of the top linebackers in the NFL. And what has it been? Three years? Three, four years since yeah. he graduated BYU? Oh, Not yeah. that long. When I saw him at the the toying the toy, the coin toss in overtime, uh against the Rams. Against the Rams, I got tears in my eyes that he was the guy that was chosen to go midfield. I just think it's so cool because he's been the guy that's just been cool, calm, collected, athletic. He's just done his job. He did that at BYU, and I think it just transitioned flawlessly to the NFL. So what do you think of Fred Warner? Well, first of all, I remember his bright eyes and his huge smile walking into Studio B for BYU Sports Nation for his first interview before he had even played a snap at BYU as a 17-year-old kid out of Southern California in the San Diego area and walking in with his mom, Laura, and just seeing, you know, how how he has gone from that stage, 17, to, I mean— He it, thought you were cool back then. I know. He thought you That's were the cool. thing. Exactly. He was excited to be on our show, and now we're—you specifically are crying when you see him go out for the coin toss— <laughs> Of a game that got the 49ers into the playoffs not too long ago. So uh, I just, it's, yeah, it's wild that in not not even a decade of time, we have watched Fred Warner go from this high school kid with a ton of potential to, man, he, and he endured the four and nine season at BYU as a senior, Lauren. He was, yeah, he was he a senior yep. when BYU had their worst season in 50 years. Not his fault. He was still awesome, clearly. Yep. But the mm-hmm. offense was deplorable, and and right. I say that with as much love in my heart as I can for what was <laughs> happening there. But it just it was awful. There was no way around it. He navigated through that and still was a third round draft pick. That tells you the type of talent that Fred Warner was. Worst BYU season as a team in fifty years didn't matter. People knew he was special. The Forty ers uh, you can say they took a chance on him, but really they knew. I mean. They yeah, they oh, yeah. knew John Lynch, the general manager, knew what Fred Warner was and was so happy to get him on his team. And you can see why, because he's one of the top three linebackers in the game. Some people think he's the best linebacker in the entire National Football League. So, yeah, there are no wrong answers to this question. Um, Fred, it's been so fun to, to watch him just grow and learn and do his thing. Now, over the course of, you know, when he came in in 2014 to we're in 2022, it's been eight years. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, you know, what a rise he has put on and shown with the San Francisco 49ers. He's already played in a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And and had had an interception in the Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. It was an an impactful player in the biggest game of the season. So. Yeah, there, there are no wrong answers. Fred, Fred's amazing. I love his family. I love his little brother, Troy, who is uh, stuck around with some practice squads and is hoping to get his shot with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But to his credit, to Troy's credit, um, he's not living in his brother's shadow. He's trying to create his own little legacy and right. has worked hard. And now the Buccaneers like him and are going to keep him around on the practice squad. So don't be surprised to see two Warners, the Warner brothers, doing their thing out of BYU <laughs> in the league. Oh, man, that's got to be a parent's dream right there, their parents. Uh, I asked you on Twitter what you thought, and here's what you said. Chris Dayton said, Fred Warner, except when he's playing my Rams. And can we just give a you to shout out, Spencer, because Eric Weddle, coming out of retirement after two years unbelievable, to join the Rams for the playoffs is one of the coolest stories yeah. 
I have ever heard. Yes. I, I mean, for us oldies, for us old people, me and you, that is, he's 37 years old and uh, a safety. It's not even like, you can't even compare it to Tom Brady, who's 44, because Tom Brady doesn't have to be fast. Eric Whittle, a safety has to be fast. Yes. You have, you have to, to be, be fast. in insane shape. Instinctual. Yes. So so I'm friends with his wife and, and she was talking about how she's like, I just pray and hope that he's in shape because NFL shape is different than just like being in everyday shape. So and he's just being thrown into this, but so cool for him. Yes. Uh, shout out to Eric Whittle at you fan underscore underscore 83. Thank you. You fans, by the way, for uh, commenting. This is great. Said, I can't say I've ever had a favorite BYU player, <laughs> but I like seeing Jamal Williams succeed. Great attitude and love for the game and those yep. around him. Wish him nothing but the best. Like it's like you said, Spencer. Everybody loves Jamal Williams, and if you don't, you have a problem. Yes, it's a, it's a you problem. If you don't like Jamal, <laughs> it's a you problem. It's so true. <laughs> and Gregory Rosenhan said, "Taysom Hill. He does it all, and the broadcast always makes sure to point out where Hill is on the field. He's fun to watch. That always cracked me up, even before he was a starting quarterback. That every time Taysom Hill came on the field, they just made the biggest." Well, deal about it because he's so he's so unique, he's so unique, it's so much fun to watch. He's the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he is, and, and uh, good for him, man. I hope he can get healthy and, and keep going. All right, real quick, Smith. Let's transition to basketball. With the same question: a lot fewer former BYU players have had success at the next level with basketball, and for a lot of reasons. But there are also just fewer players and opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but Dan, Danny Ainge made it. Sean Bradley. That being said, a handful of had success internationally. Jimmer, Brandon Davies, Elijah Bryan are doing well. Uh, Travis Hansen, Eric Mika, I'm sure I'm missing a ton. But Spencer, who has been your favorite former BYU basketball player to watch at the next level? It's still Jimmer Fredette. And I yeah. know that people are like, oh, man, he never really – some people think he didn't get a shot. Some people thought, well, he had plenty of shots. He just didn't do enough in the NBA to stick around. Wherever you land on that side of the argument – I'm I'm speaking specifically about what Jimmer means to basketball fans in general. He's a guy because of what he did in college and because of who he is as a person that transcends. And so he goes to China and scores 73 points in a game and what is Sports Center talking about? Jimmer Fredette scored 73 <laughs> points in a Chinese basketball game. Like not many players can go overseas and into Asia specifically in a league that's not widely respected and still transcend and make their way into a sports center conversation. And because he was so good in China, he still got signed by NBA teams to a couple of 10 day contracts. The Phoenix Suns specifically is what I'm referencing here, but how many guys can go to China and then do that and come back and still because the buzz and all the stuff you make your way onto the roster. And then the NBA G league, he was an all-star. He should have been a first-team all-G League player, but I think there's some bias happening there. But he was on the all-star team. He was the all-star game MVP of the NBA G League. He made the Westchester Knicks like a cool thing, like must-see television. One of the Westchester Knicks, or the Knicks in general in New York, <laughs> over the last decade been must-see television. Jimmer Fredette was involved, Lauren. And so I know it's not the career, the storybook ending that most BYU fans wanted or want for Jimmer, but his influence on the game is incredible. And a lot of people will say he just, he came in at the wrong time. Like Jimmer right. got into a very, very tough situation in Sacramento. I'm not going to say that that's the reason he didn't succeed in the NBA, but it doesn't help when your head coach who wanted you and drafted you and traded up to draft you is fired less than a month into the season. And then team ownership <laughs> changes shortly thereafter because right. the ownership and the coach that they brought in now are like, eh, we don't really like that guy. 
it just it's terrible. It was the worst situation. Right. This, which is, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. But he could have started a trend, man. Everybody, even in the NBA, Kevin Durant tweeted about Jimmer Fredette. He, I think he started a trend. He made it okay to shoot from just beyond the half-court line. Yeah. He, he, seriously, we, it, that was like never seen before Jimmer Fredette came along. So I'm with you. It's Jimmer for me. It was it was kind of sad watching him go to the next level because you expect I, – I actually didn't know what to expect because he is just a, a very unique player in his own right, but but so much fun to watch him in college and and uh, succeed at every level yes. at the next level, like you said. Hey, you want to do something right. fun? Like I'm going to tell you this yes. when, when we're done with this. You need to go to YouTube and you need to uh, search Jimmer Fredette's NBA career high. I think it was 24 points, and it was in Madison Square Garden in his home state of New York against the Knicks with the Kings. Go and do that. It is. It will bring you so much joy, Lauren, watching Jimmer Fredette <laughs> Take over in Madison Square Garden with the Sacramento Kings of all teams. It's I need, amazing. I need a little joy right now. Yes. I'm going to go do that. Yes. I'm going to do it. Spencer, you are phenomenal, my friend. Thank you for coming on and, and joining me in this great conversation. Hey, it's great to be with you. All love. <laughs> Nothing but love. Nothing all but right. love. <laughs> Up next, San Francisco Assistant Athletics Director of Communications and Content, Chris Fortney, joins me to talk the much-anticipated Cougars versus Dons matchup and what the fans are saying about their success. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. The Dons men's basketball team has been rolling this season and is one of the top teams in the WCC. To know more about what is making these guys mesh so well, let's welcome on San Francisco Assistant Athletics Director of Communications and Content, Chris Fortney. Thanks for coming on with me, Chris. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, you too. That's quite the title. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they uh, they hooked me up when I got here, so it's uh, <laughs> it's been fun so far. Well, well. Speaking of that, you're you're the new guy on campus. You arrived, I believe, in just August 2021, and what a fun year to enter the program. What have these first few months been like for you in San Francisco? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, everyone has welcomed welcomed me with uh, open arms since I. I stepped foot on campus and, uh, you know, the excitement's been buzzing since summer. I knew, I knew quite a bit about these guys. I'd actually been at the university of the Pacific the last two years. So seeing them play and, and no Todd, um, from before, but you know, when I stepped foot on campus, there was kind of this buzz that, you know, NCAA tournament or bus that's been the goal since day one. Um, everyone from, you know, trainers all the way up to the head coach has said it and everyone in between. So, um, you know, we have a lot of guys that are experienced, a lot of guys. Um, we had five Division One transfers come in this offseason, so a lot of experience, a lot of guys that have played minutes um, both at power, at the Power Five level and at the mid-major level. So, um, yeah, just a, a lot of, you know, smiling faces and, and people who are, are eager to get going on the court. Man, tr these transfers can make all the difference. And, and you mentioned Ton Todd Golden, who is the head coach, who I believe is only 33 years old. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, correct. Oh my goodness. That's he's young. He's really young. So he took over the program in 2019 from what you've seen from him. What is it about him that's helped this team have success this season? I think his ability to just stay, stay the course. And I know that's, that sounds cliche, but 
in a in a year where it's similar to last year and you know we're adjusting and picking up games on the fly i mean last week we we flew to salt lake city and played one of the top mid majors if not the top mid major in loyola chicago um in a juco gym on the span of 24 24 <laughs> hours notice so um i think his ability to stay flexible and like you said his his age i think is probably the the biggest factor he's he's a St. Mary's guy himself. So he graduated, you know, as a Gale and um, coaching against his former coach. And he has all the tips from, from that. And I think he's just comfortable. Um, our, our associate athletic coach or head coach, uh, Chris Gerlison is also um, formerly from San Diego. So I think a lot of guys just know the conference well. And um, Todd can relate to, to guys who are, you know, honestly, some of them less than 10 years younger than him. Um, right. <laughs> so having that, having that close gap and, uh, you know, he's a family guy. He only lives a couple blocks from campus. Um, I think he's, he's all in and to have someone who's young and outgoing and who's all in and, you know, isn't going to settle until he reaches the mountaintop. I think the kids can, can really follow behind that. Well, he's got some energy that I'm sure a lot of these other coaches don't have that have been around many, many years. So he's he's ready to go, and I love it. So you mentioned uh, some transfers, but the Dons have looked really good and in sync this year. What is it about them that's making them click from what you've seen? Yeah, I think last year um, we were kind of live by the three, die by the three. Um, shot the ball as one of the top teams in the country, but if you're not hitting those shots you know, and you're relying on them, then – it's tough to win ball games if that's, you know, your game plan. So um, I think this year we have more of an inside presence. Our, our To me, the biggest difference is our inside game is uh, Galleon Masalski, who came over from San Diego. He kind of spaces us out, and um, it's not just Jamari Bouye or Khalil Shabazz having to pour in 20 or 30 points every game or, you know, the opponent keen on them in the backcourt. We can put it inside. We can dump it back out. We can run in transition. We can spread the floor. Um, you know, we have, we have versatility and I think at the end of the day, we we're playing really good defense too. um, top 30 in the country and three point defense. So we can shoot it and we can defend it. And I think when you have that sort of recipe, uh, long-term, as long as knock on wood, as long as guys stay healthy, you know, that'll, mm-hmm. that'll create success. So. Yeah. Health is key for sure. And you mentioned kind of the theme of the season is NCAA tournament or bust and the WCC is deep this season. So how do the players and coaches view that challenge? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, if you ask them they're we're beating Gonzaga twice and we're going to win the conference and we're going to get the automatic <laughs> bid. So um, I don't think they're looking at it as any, anything intimidating as, you know, same, same year as any other year um, got to show up and you got to win. So obviously, you know, the top four, top five are, you know, bidding for tournament bids themselves. Um, even Santa Clara, who's kind of five or six, is very competitive. They have 11 mm-hmm. wins. So um, I think they're ready for the challenge. And just due to maneuvering the COVID schedule and everything that's happening with all the postponements, again, I think the key for the conference is to have the the top four or five try to play each other and get as much national exposure as we can. And um you know, I, I think the main thing that that we focus on, at least here, is defending home court. Um, if you can defend home court and you can steal one or two on the road, then the rest of the resume will take care of itself. But that's probably our main goal. And after that, you know, we're ready to take on anyone. So You mentioned the Zags specifically. Those guys are always the team to beat year in and year out. They usually are in the top five 
uh, in the country. But what do the Dons think about BYU coming into their house? Yeah, I mean, BYU's been, you know, we're, we're kind of on the doorstep of fighting for that number two spot that they've held for a while. And, uh, you know, we've, we've beat them in the past couple of years, a couple of times they've beat us. Um, it's been kind of back and forth. And um, I think the guard play is going to be really key. I mean, Barcelo and Bouye, two of the top guards on the West coast, if not the country. Um, so I think they respect that. And Todd, you know, has nothing but positive things to say about Mark Pope and, you know, what he's done, being able to come in there and, and completely take off and vault that team into a top 25 program and, and everything that he's done, um, nothing but good things to say. So we respect them. You know, we're, we're aware of the talent, but we're eager to beat them and jump back into that number two spot or potentially even number one spot, depending on how it goes. So. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned the respect between the coaches and I think the WCC does a great job of that. I think there's, there's a lot of respect that goes all around, um, there's so many things to do in San Francisco and professional teams. It's hard to draw attention to college teams sometimes. So from your time so far with the San Francisco Dons, what are the fans like? Like, where do they come from and what are they like? Yeah, you know, we don't have a, a 10,000 plus seat Marriott Center in our backyard. <laughs> um, but I think we do have, you know, quite a gem for for what we're able to accomplish in, you know, small space in the city of San Francisco. So um, we actually remodeled our club level in our arena this year. So we have the Sprato Club open, which is uh, kind of like a hybrid style, like the Warriors. We have uh, in-game dining and, and beverages and stuff like that for people who wanted to pay for that. So I think we have a good, solid group of dedicated supporters who have been around for a while. And to me, it's, it's similar to Pacific or an LMU, kind of like a smaller school, um, that just has a lot of local dedicated fans who are either alumni or who've been in the area for a while. I mean, there's people that sit behind me that said they've been coming there, you know, to games longer than I've been alive. So, um, <laughs> I think a lot of tradition and, uh, I think to me, the coolest part is seeing, uh, Bill Cartwright who walks around, obviously his name speaks for himself, NBA legend, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. NBA champion, um, but he still comes around as an ambassador of the university stops in my office once or twi twice a week, says, hi, ask how my family's doing. <laughs> so to me, it's, oh, there's cool. just a lot of great people around and, um, it's, it's a cool place to be for sure. That's awesome. What a cool thing for you. All right. San Francisco assistant athletics director of communications and content, Chris Fortney, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Chris Fortney and Spencer Linton for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.